Hello and welcome. My name is Regina M. Dick with Good News Broadcasting and Multimedia, and this is another episode of Prayer Warriors 365. Today we are going through the Belt of Truth. This is Day 7. So, what exactly is the truth? The truth is Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to God except through Him. That's found in the Bible in John 14:6, And it is the very thing that holds everything else together. And it's a very simple truth. That is what we're going to try to get our arms around, is to understand that it is simple. It is not complicated. So, what we are to do, our part, is to put on that belt of truth, meaning that we stand in that rock, which is His Word, that He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. That is our part. So, as we move forward, we're going to understand and begin to stand in faith in that truth and realize that all true roads lead to Jesus Christ. Because if He is the way to God and the only way to God, we have to go through Christ. There's no other options. So, putting on the belt of truth... What we're going to do is I'm going to start out with a story, a parable. It's called the Parable of Nasir. And it's a story that I put together years ago. And it was kind of a glimpse of my own walk at the time also. And I noticed as I shared the story with others, many could relate to this particular story. So sit back, listen, and see if you can relate to anything in this story. Take heart, for it is in the heart that you will find the answer. The following is a simple parable. As the story goes, there was once a man named Nasir, who for whatever reason or reasons found himself trapped in a deep, dark, slimy pit with absolutely no visible means of escape. Nasir began to cry out for help, begging and pleading to anyone who might come along and hear his sobbing. Alas, along came a friend, someone he just knew would help him out. After all, it was his best friend. The closer the friend neared the edge of the pit, the more he realized the dire predicament that Nasir was in, and he became too afraid to help his friend for fear of falling in himself. And so the friend, out of his own perceived need of self-preservation, decided to turn away and not be part of Nasir and his situation. Again, Nasir began to cry out, this time with more intensity. As time passed, along came a counselor, a learned advisor to many people in the nearby village. He heard Nasir's pleas and asked him, just how he got into the pit in the first place. The counselor began to analyze the many possible reasons why and how Nasir ended up in this pit. After pondering pondering Nasir's situation, the counselor gave him a list of possible solutions for dealing with his circumstances. 
and he even tossed him some medicinal herbs to help Nasir to cope with his dire predicament. But these strategies only serve to frustrate Nasir even further. The counselor, although very learned in his profession, could only go so far to assist Nasir in finding his way out. Never quite comprehending the entire picture, the counselor could provide Nasir with limited answers to only part of his dilemma. The result? Nasir was still in the pit. As time passed, Nasir began to feel that his situation was hopeless. He continued to cry out for help. To his relief, he heard the voice of the local clergyman, whom he had heard so many previous times in church. Nasir was certain that this man of God, who gave such awe-inspiring sermons and tearful testimonials, would indeed help him to get out of the pit. As a clergyman came to the edge of the pit and solemnly listened to his plight, Nasir thought, Yes, this clergyman has a direct line to God, and God will surely help me out of this pit. But much to Nasir's amazement, the clergyman began to speculate and to judge why God would put poor Nasir into this pit in the first place and thus preached a well-versed sermon on just how God works. He filled Nasir with many antidotes for pleasing God. With jubilant expectation, Nasir was certain that if he could just follow all the instructions and keep all the commands, God would be happy with him and get him out. But to no avail, for poor Nasir was still in the pit. Filled with anger and disappointment, he admonished the clergyman for trying to be God rather than helping him to find God. Despair, desperation, and hopelessness were now permeating Nasir's every thought until he felt as if the very life was being drained out of him. Eventually, with what he felt was his last breath, he cried out, Lord God, my heavenly Father, I surrender everything. Help me get out of this pit. Deep within the very core of his being, he heard a still, quiet voice clearly say, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Nasir could now feel new life being poured into his being, a peace that surpassed all understanding and a joy that filled him with unspeakable strength. He knew his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was there in his midst, that he had been there all along, patiently waiting for Nasir to call upon him, because he loved Nasir. Christ was not at the edge of the pit calling out instructions. He was in the very midst of the pit with him. God had sent Nasir 
the right hand of righteousness, his only son, Jesus Christ, to personally help him out of the pit. And Christ took his hand, his heart, and his soul and delivered him from this miry pit of despair and hopelessness. Nasir now knew that he was on the path of salvation and that only Christ would take him every step of the way. This is the personal journey with Jesus Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. This was a very simple parable, but what it speaks to is the fact that we oftentimes looked everywhere else for the answer especially as believers when the answer is right there within us through the power of the Holy Spirit so let's talk about the belt of truth more in depth why should we know Jesus personally and intimately think about it this way we can never really truly know ourselves intimately until we know Jesus Christ intimately because he knows it knows us better than we know ourselves we have areas of our life that may have been suppressed areas of our life that we've forgotten areas of our life that we've held on to and don't know how to release with Christ in that personal relationship with him he will bring us through healing of areas of our life that are not in line with his will and his way think about it in the Old Testament we had God's forgiveness we sinned we asked God to forgive us he forgave us we sinned again asked God to forgive us he forgave us again It wasn't until in the New Testament that Jesus Christ came, God came on earth in flesh, the new covenant, that we were actually saved from our sins. That is why it is so very important to understand He is our Savior. We cannot do it ourselves. So he was the fulfillment of the covenant. And that is what we're walking in today. Jesus is salvation. Walking continually with him day after day after day is the fullness of salvation. In other words, we are learning areas of our life that are not in line. And he will walk us through to bring us to that point where we can surrender those areas of our lives and get the healing and the freedom that we so desperately need. Major Ian Thomas has a gospel that he preached on the grain of wheat. And it talks about being broken. It says in John 12, 
24 Most assuredly I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies it remains alone but if it dies it produces much grain now what that means is that we come to that point in our lives where we surrender or we may come to it where an area of our life where we get to a place of brokenness and we turn it over to the Lord and we receive his salvation but as we walk with him and through the rest of our lives with him he helps us in area of our lives where we have fallen short or area of our areas of our lives that may we may still be holding on to that need healing and need freedom areas of our lives that may be in bondage that we don't even realize he is our source not to just manage not to just keep asking for forgiveness even though we do continually need to ask forgiveness but to actually being being saved from the bondage the freedom with Jesus comes that freedom he is the one that will take that yoke off of our shoulders so that is walking in the fullness of salvation the personal journey meaning that journey with Jesus Christ is about knowing Jesus Christ intimately Jesus is the living waters breaking beyond the limits of our understanding never to be thirsty again we can't even quite comprehend what is going on even in our own lives we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow no one in this world does that is why we get to that place of humility of surrender and going to the source the belt of truth he is the truth and with him he opens those doors of our hearts our minds our understanding and our relationship with others around us near us he has a purpose and plan we don't quite understand all the pieces of the puzzle but we do play a major role moving from trying to believe to knowing without a shadow of doubt that is what that personal relationship will bring because we can again talk the talk all we want we can preach we can talk we can incur even encourage others but until we get to that intimacy with him do we truly know that he's there that he is in control that he can handle it that the battle belongs to him and that we can overcome and walk in victory in every area of our life then we discover that peace that surpasses all understanding Think about it this way whatever we are focused on right now right at this moment the rest of our world will revolve around it whatever that might be could be a job 
It could be your spouse. It could be your children. It could be a goal that you have in life. It could be even a ministry. The rest of our life focuses around that. Anything that you allow to become in between you and your relationship with Christ has the potential to becoming an idol. And we just mentioned some potential idols. Again, even a family. God comes first. But if we don't know Christ, if we don't have that intimate relationship, then we are not really genuinely allowing him to be first in our life. We get so busy managing our lives rather than surrendering for healing, for getting everything into perspective. Do not let your problems become your idol. This was an area that I struggled with when I first really started pressing in on my relationship. I had numerous issues and problems. My very problems became my idol, even though I wanted freedom, even though I wanted deliverance. I was so focused on trying to figure out how to get out of these problems that they became the center of my life and my life revolved around them. There is a big difference between trying to believe and knowing with a shadow of a shadow of doubt and that always boils down very simply to relationship with Jesus Christ. Trying to believe we oftentimes will go out and study which is good none of these things are bad but we've got to understand that they're tools we want to study about Christ we want to read, research attending seminars following the latest popular preachers that are out there but think about this there is now in our times so many preachers so many prophets so many ways that it's getting diluted that is causing confusion and we end up basically trying to figure things out and ended up with the paralysis of analysis trying to figure it out trying to say okay this person has the right idea let me believe him for a while and then we switch over oops nope this one has the way Let me follow him. And we end up in a state of total confusion and disappointment. We will when we depend and have our confidence in man. That is why we learn to step back and say, No, I will not worship the tools, but rather worship the source of the tools. Remember the King Jehoshaphat strategy that I was talking about. Where were the Israelites' focus? Not on something that the battle, the war that was going on, something that was overwhelmingly impossible for them to achieve victory. They focused 
on God through praise and worship. And what happened? The Lord allowed and opened the doors for the enemies and confusion. So they ended up fighting each other. That's what happens when we're not solid, when we're not with the rock, when we're not putting the belt of truth, keeping everything else held together. That is why it is so important for that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing else in this world will get you there. So even though these tools that God allows in our life to help to teach us, we still have to discern. We still have to say, okay, is this the right way? Is this the right person that I need to be listening to? Is this the right interpretation of the Bible? Interpretation of prophecy? Whatever it might be, we still have to be able to discern. Lord, is this the way? What would you have me do? That's why that personal relationship is so vital. And we move from trying to believe into knowing without a shadow of a doubt. Remember when Jesus walked in this world. It was always in line in communication with God. He showed us the way. And he's still showing us the way. Through his Holy Spirit. Who we've received into our hearts. So we are again not to worship the tools, but rather the source of the tools. Knowing without a shadow of a doubt involves a personal experience with Christ. It is through the personal journey that we are being transformed from the old man. In other words, the world belief system, what we've understand and what this world may have we may have learned through this world belief system into the new man when we asked the Lord into our lives we were born again spiritually and we put on that new man that kingdom of God that is within us and near us and around us as God through the power of the Holy Spirit teaches us and opens our eyes to his kingdom and what he's doing So we're moving from the old man to the new man. It is a transformation taking place through the power of the Holy Spirit from the inside out. The fullness of salvation becoming complete. Because think about it. We're as born again believers. We're a new person spiritually. But we have that carnal nature that is still trying to hold on. So what we do as believers in Jesus Christ, we surrender areas of our life as the Holy Spirit prods us to walk in obedience. And we get free from things and our understanding of the world belief system. Remember, We are in this world, but not of this world. This is only a temporary 
amount of time that we are allotted and in this time is our opportunity first and foremost to receive and believe in Jesus Christ through the gift of faith then as we move through this world to build that faith and realizing that he is the way he is the truth he is the life and that anything that comes in our path through him we overcome what I'd like to do next is share with you Maslow's hierarchy of needs now Maslow is came up with these basic needs that every human being has and it is a breakdown if you think of a triangle and what we're going to do is work from the base all the way up the triangle starting with the very basic needs and moving up so at the very bottom we have our basic physiological needs these are our strongest most basic needs to survive here in this world as human beings which include air, we got to breathe, food, we have to eat, water, we need water, we need clothing to cover our bodies to keep us safe, we need sleep, we need shelter. So we have these basic physiological needs, perfectly legitimate. And it's what God, as we see, will put into perspective. Next, we move on to safety. These include the health family, resources, communities, basically the social structure. It's security of our body, of employment, of resources, of morality, of family, of health, of property, safety. Every human being needs safety. Next, love and belonging. Love, which involves both giving and receiving love. And this includes, in the next level of the triangle going up, friendship, family, a mate, sexual needs, emotional needs, physical intimacy, love. These are needs that we have as human beings. Next is esteem. Our society, our society's definition of esteem is usually measured in money and material things. They include in esteem we have self-esteem confidence respect of others and respect by others but again how are we truly measuring these things and by this world's belief system it is usually measured in money and material things next at the top of the triangle is our self-actualization individuals need to be what they were born to be our purpose our calling our gifts and our talents could be an artist, a poet, a writer, a singer, a minister, a mission or ministry. And at the very top, these include in our basic needs, morality, creativity, problem solving and purpose. So all of these things are needs that every human being has. But what we're saying is putting these needs first above our relationship with God can create in us lust. What we are called to do as believers is to put God first. 
God is at the very pinnacle of the triangle. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What often happens is if some of these needs aren't met in one particular level, then we become so focused and obsessed on getting these needs met that we lose all perspective. We lose ourself. So what we're saying here is seek first the kingdom of God. So we're moving from Maslow's hierarchy of needs to the kingdom of God's provisions from the old man to the new man. And as the new man in the kingdom of God, God provides the things that we need. But it's scary. If we've lived in this world belief system and we think we have to go out and conquer the world and do it on our own, and then in some cases get beat up because we're not getting there, then we will end up making these things come first in our lives. For those that are listening listening via audio, there is a graph that I have. If you will go to youtube.com forward slash G-N-B-M-O-R-G for the Belt of Truth, you can see this graphic that I have if you want to get more information or kind of take a look at it. So the kingdom of God, referred to as the upside-down kingdom, because it's opposite of this world's belief system. Let's take a look at a few verses that really bring this to home. It says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? There it is, that faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear and here it comes for the pagans those in this world belief system run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but what he says is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well this is in Matthew six twenty eight through 34 And here's the key here, again, is it's scary to sit, think, okay, I, I'm going to trust in the kingdom of God. I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ, and he's going to provide all these things. When things around us start to look like they're falling apart. And this is why knowing Jesus Christ personally and intimately, spending that time with him, talking to him, listening to him, him nothing else is so important again how can you trust someone if you don't know them and that's what he's calling us to do in the old testament it says delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart 
Well, these aren't just desires. These are needs. In the New Testament, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things are added unto you. Let's go back to the Old Testament and the, and the Israelites out in the desert. When they were out there, no food, no shelter, trying to survive based on what Moses had told them to do, there was a lot of fear. But they were out in the desert. What did, could they do? They had to lean on the Lord. And what did the Lord do? He gave them manna. But what he told them was to not hoard it. That he would give them all that they needed. So each day it rained manna. They got manna to be able to eat and to survive. What we're learning as believers in Jesus Christ is to press in on that relationship and that walk with him day to day so that we can learn and surrender to that trust in him to open the doors of the through the things that we need and the, th- and the desires of our heart who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life Matthew 6:27 What does worrying do Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own think about it in your own personal walk think about it this way God gives us enough grace for one day at a time just like the Israelites with the manna one day at a time and what purpose does that serve what it does it keeps us in a state of leaning continually on Christ for everything in our lives the worrying is not going to add any more to our life it is not going to make things better but actually make things worse worrying is only a form of pride I remember when I first heard that that just kind of hit me right between the eyes worrying pride but think about it thinking that we can stand in place of God in our lives and control our circumstances as well as controlling others that's pride that's saying God don't need you there's an acronym for ego and ego is being self centered thinking that you can do it all And the acronym for ego, E-G-O, is basically edging God out. So as long as we're trying to take the reins and take control, we're leaving God out. And what God's saying is, keep me in the center. Trust me. The battles belong to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Put that belt of truth around your waist and stand firm. It takes surrender to win. 
So the very first thing that we surrender is our own understanding, which is the very beginning of true divine revelation. Remember, we don't know the whole big picture. As we surrender daily to trusting Him, to spending that time with Him, to leaning on Him, and then when we start seeing Him come through, it builds our faith. What it does is open our awareness to the kingdom of God. And we receive divine revelation. Divine revelation from the Bible. The Bible makes sense. You begin to not only understand it, but even see it in your own life. Divine revelation to your choices doors open and you know that that is the way that you are to go divine revelation maybe in the lives of others around you family members you get a prodding or a word from the Holy Spirit and how to speak and how to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you into the lives of others or to sit back and to listen that is divine revelation truly becoming disciples followers of Jesus Christ do we trust God enough to hand over the desires of our hearts that is a question that kind of hit its home. Remember, as long as we're putting the, these desires before our relationship with God, these desires turn into lust. As you begin to really press in in the words of the Bible, they'll just jump off the page and you'll realize, oh, wow. That is so true. Being in that place of personal relationship with Christ keeps us centered. So again, do we trust God enough to hand over the desires of our hearts?